Sorry about that, Phil. <laughs> Didn't mean to destroy your microphone and your mouthpiece. Let us go to prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, first we just thank you for your many, many blessings. And Lord, help us to never take these blessings for granted and just help us to be worthy. And dear Lord, amongst our class, amongst our church, amongst our friends, we have so many people who have genuine issues and some health, some otherwise. But Lord, we just pray that you would help all of these people, all of us who need your help, first to find peace and second to find healing. And dear Lord, as, as we go into another day, our country is just in a terrible state of conflict. Our country is in a terrible state of conflict with vile and brutal comments against each other and people literally trying to take other people out. And dear Lord, please intervene in this situation and help us to get together and help us to realize that we as Americans are all Americans and that's what we are and that's what we should be pulling for to make our country great. Lord, I pray that you will uh, forgive us our many sins. I pray that you will be with us as we go into the new day, the beauty of your creation. And Lord, we just ask that you help us to be safe and to be happy and to be worthy. Amen. Amen. Be with Phil also today. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And every day. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Come in, come in. Well, some of you have asked if we're back to school yet, and almost. Uh, Milligan's started two weeks later this year than we have for about the last 20 years. So, um, it, well, it's, it's complicated, but the short answer is uh, the Bristol race. <laughs> right? um, you don't really think of this, but we, we get held hostage uh, by the Bristol race uh, every year. We have to either start the week before the race or the week after the race because the weekend of the race you can't get a hotel room within 100 miles of here. And so our parents who are coming to bring their freshmen would like to spend the night um, somewhere other than Chattanooga. <laughs> and so um, when I first came, we, we did actually start after two weeks, the week after the race. And then for the last 20 years or so, we've actually gone the week before the race. And now we've gone after the race again. So. Um, we kind of like it, I think. It does mean we get out a little later towards Christmas, and so we'll be complaining later, but academics complain about everything, right? We've got a, we got a really cushy life, so we've got no complaints. Um, but we did get an extra two weeks, and so our freshmen came in yesterday, 
We had our big matriculation service last night. Upperclassmen come in today, tomorrow's registration, classes start Tuesday, so yeah. So we're, we're at it. So if I seem a little, well, if I seem more scattered uh, today, it's because, yeah, I just got a lot, a lot going on. Like I have, to, I have to go back to work, <laughs> right? So yeah, I know you don't, I don't expect any sympathy from any of you for that, I know. And I deserve none, so. This thing is ringing. Does that mean I'm, it's loud. It's loud? Let me just turn it down. See, is that better? Yes. Yeah. A little less ringing? Okay. All right, so we're in the social principles. We have been for, several people mentioned it's kind of hard to keep some continuity here. Uh, we had a couple of weeks of introduction, and then we had one week on the natural world, and then we ate last weekend together, <laughs> which was a good thing. Um, but we're still in the natural world. Can't get out of the natural world. So, um, so for those of you, a couple of you asked, like, I'm trying to keep up with the reading, but I don't know what my assignment is, and I've been a bad teacher not telling you. Um, so we're going to be in the natural. So if you've read through through page 25, you're good for today and probably next week as well. Okay, and so uh, so you can relax. You're not going to be quizzed over something you haven't read today. Okay, uh, but, I mean we could honestly we could spend three or four months just trying to wrestle with all that's in this section about the natural world. Um, there's so much there, and and also because. One, a lot of it's contentious, uh, and a lot of it is, we said part of what we're trying to do, we're trying to do several things, uh, but just to kind of remind you, one of the things we're trying to do is reconnect with a kind of Wesleyan heritage uh, that it's hard to be proud of because a lot of us didn't even know we had it. You know, it's hard to be proud of a part of your heritage if you didn't know your heritage. Right? But the United Methodists have been pioneers uh, for good or ill, in taking the risk of saying, we as a church believe that the gospel has not only implications for our personal lives, but also for our corporate lives as a church, and also for what we care about the shape of our society. And we're willing to take the risk in writing. That's crazy, right? You know, it's always dangerous to put things in writing, right? Um, because you open yourself to criticism, of course, right? Um, but to, to offer the church and the world an attempt at a witness to say, we think today, this, at this point in our history, in this place, uh, and this is a worldwide church, these are some of the implications of the gospel for everyday life. And we're trying to reclaim that, to remind, remind ourselves that we're part of a tradition that has taken the risk to do that. Uh, to offer some guidance. And so that's part of it. Um, and the other thing is just to kind of remind ourselves, I mean, by trade, by profession, I'm a theologian, um, which nobody really knows what that means. Um, but when I try to explain it to my students, I say, I get paid for making connections. Okay. Um, I try to help people see how things are connected that don't immediately look like they're connected. So last week, for example, or two weeks ago, I guess, and we'll come back to this very briefly. Uh, two weeks ago, when I asked you, like, what surprised you in reading the first 25 pages, one of the first questions was, 
um, I was surprised to see that plastic bottles were mentioned. Plastic bottles. I mean, what does plastic bottles have to do with following the way of Jesus? It's not obvious. And so we tried in just a small way two weeks ago to try to make some connections. Why might followers of Jesus care about plastic bottles? Because it's not obvious. But trying to make that connection, if you, could, if you can just begin, and that's all we tried to do two weeks ago, just begin to see how those might be connected. And once you get a little bit more facility at, a little more practice at making those connections, then you can begin to see some yourself, right? Um, and you do make a lot of these connections yourself, but they're not always obvious. And particularly if you're like me, who grew up in a tradition that rightly emphasized that following the way of Jesus is intensely personal, which it is, right? When we're talking about the social principles, the social principles don't displace, okay, don't take the place of your personal relationship with God or with Christ. Okay, it's not one replacing the other. So, but it's not simply personal. It's not only personal. And so it's hard for me. I don't come by this honestly. I don't come out of a tradition that worked very hard at making these connections. It was sort of like, well, we were very good about saying following the way of Jesus has implications for every area of your life. I heard that all my life. It's just no one helped me with 99% of it. Right? You were sort of on your own to figure out like what the implications are. And so here the United Methodist Church again has taken the risk to try to give us some help. Okay, it's not the last word, as we've said. Uh, one of the beautiful things, one of the part of the humility that's built into uh, the social principles and the Book of Resolutions, as we said, is that these formal resolutions that the General Conference passes uh, every four years, they expire after eight years unless they're reaffirmed. Right? So there's this humility that says we're doing the best we can for today, but we realize eight, 20, 50 years from now, we may have to be saying something different. And so I'm grateful for that humility that's built into it. No one's standing up and saying, this is the way it is for all time, <clears throat> in all places, trying to say what these implications are. So I wanted to start today by just trying to remind us of the, the two, one of the things that in each of these six or seven sections in the social principles, uh, it tries to lay out some of the fundamental Christian values that at the heart of the judgments that are being made in these resolutions and in the social principles. And, and, and the two, if you, if you remember reading, and I know it's been a while, but just kind of remind you, the two central convictions and values that are at the heart of particularly this section, but other sections as well, are, are justice and sustainability. Okay, justice and sustainability are the two primary values. That doesn't mean they're the, they're the only two. It just means, I mean, you have to talk about something. Right? You can't talk about everything at once. So they're, they're focusing on justice and sustainability. And so let's, let's go back to, to the water example um, to kind of flesh those out. Like what does is, what is justice and sustainability mean? 
um, with respect to water, and then we'll try to take some other examples too. But before we do that, let's just think of a, an analogy uh, to try to get clear about what justice is, because justice is one of those uh, always challenging words to think of. And when you hear the word justice and somebody else hears the word justice, we often think of different things, right? Um, and this, is, this has been an issue that goes back to, you know, the Old Testament uh, talks about justice. Uh, God's justice and God's care, caring about justice. It's a deeply biblical concept. God's, uh, God's a just God, and God calls the people of God to be just. Well, what does that mean? Well, at its, at its heart, it has to do with giving people, giving anyone, what is due to them. Right? Whether you're in a court of law or you're relating to your family, the question is, what, what, what is due to another person? What is, what is their due? Um, so it's important to sort of distinguish between uh, justice and works of mercy or charity, right? Um, so I'll give you an example. Let's, let's, uh, let's just do, uh, let's do a little thought experiment. Let's say that one day, and again, this is fantasy, but just pretend. Um, Let's say one day I had an inheritance to give to our children. That's the fantasy part. <laughs> right? You recall I had three children in college at once. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I already gave them our inheritance. <laughs> um, but let's say that uh, we gave our children an inheritance and um, we gave them this kind of instruction. Okay? Um, we gave them all the same inheritance. We said, we'd also like you to take care of this inheritance in such a way that you'd have something to pass on to your own children, and their children to their children, and their children. I mean, you can't guarantee that, right? But that, that's what you would hope, right? So I'm, we're, I'm giving you this, we're giving you this, but it's, it's not just for you. It's also for your children, their children, their children. Okay. Now, and we die, we're gone. Okay. So what happens if it turns out that, like, our oldest son um, has connived in a certain kind of way that he's got 80% of the heritage? And his other siblings come to him and say, um, We'd like our inheritance. <laughs> and Peter says, well, I'm sorry, I don't believe in charity. <laughs> um, or I, I can give you some, but out of the goodness of my heart. And they're thinking, no, this is an issue of justice. Right, we're not asking for charity. Right, we're not asking you to take care of us out of the you know, the excess that you have just to be kind and feel good about yourself. This was given to us like it was given to you. Right? So it's a matter of justice. And, and if the children, if we put this in writing and, you know, word gets out to their children uh, and, the, and their grandchildren, I mean, they might say, you know, isn't something do to us. And they would be right. Yes? 
I mean, that would be an issue of justice. And you can also see there's some sustainability in there too, right? I mean, what's, this is sustained over time. Now, one of the things that the Book of Resolutions, I won't take the time to pull it up here, but one of the things the Book of Resolutions says about water is that United Methodists will do what they can uh, to work for accessibility of water for all human beings as a basic human right. Okay? Um, that water, first of all, isn't a commodity, first of all, is not a commodity to be bought and sold, but it's at the very basic level of God the Creator has given us a world where life is impossible at any level apart from water. And if God desires the thriving and the flourishing of not only human beings, but of all creation, then we all need water. We need water, the rest of creation needs water. We are interdependent in our need for water. And so that's an issue of justice, a fundamental human right. This is what Christians think, that Christians think that water, at least United Methodists are making the argument, you could disagree, but United Methodists think, as a body, that water, access to water, is a basic human right. And United Methodists will work towards the day when that is recognized, honored, and made true. Now we're not there, right? We're not there. But part of it is trying to agree, do, you know, could we come to an agreement that water is a basic human right? And that, that, that has issues of justice. I mean, okay, so now we're back to justice, right? I mean, it's a very good thing that United Methodists and other Christians around the world are helping people in developing countries um, dig safe wells. Um, you may know that one out of nine people in the world does not have access to clean water. Okay, one out of nine. So that's a lot of people. And, and what access to clean water means, uh, water that's potentially not contaminated, primarily with fecal matter. Okay. All right, so one out of nine. Um, you probably know that uh, more people die around the world every year from diarrhea than any other single cause. Okay. And about almost 90% of that comes from contaminated water. So, so those are preventable deaths. Okay. It's about two and a half million people a year. Okay. Those are, those are preventable deaths. Now, part of what, this is, this is where it grates on us a little bit. Uh, maybe, but maybe not. I mean, this is an important distinction. So would, it would be a good thing, maybe, that when we do this work in the name of Jesus, which we should be, helping people have access, 
That's a work of justice, not charity. You see the difference? We're not patting ourselves on the back saying, you know, we're giving you something. No. God gave them water. The gift of water has been given to them every bit as much as it's been given to me. And so when I work for access to clean water for other people, that's an issue of justice. This is what is due them. Right? Does that make sense? And so it gives it a kind of urgency. It's not like, it's not like if we get around to it, maybe, you know, out of the goodness of our hearts, just like Peter, you know, maybe if I'm in the goodness of my heart, I'll give the rest of my siblings their inheritance. No, water has been given to all of us, and I have no more right to it than anyone else. And maybe neither do you. Okay? And so, that's just one fundamental thing. And so, part of the issue, just to, I don't want to get bogged down in the single-serve plastic bottle issue, but just to make that connection. One of the ways that our imaginations is being changed about water in our current period is we really have come to think of it as a kind of commodity that's bought and sold. And we're probably not going to escape that entirely, but what we can't do is let that practice of buying and selling water cloud our imagination about it being a fundamental human right that everyone have access to and not just those who can afford to pay for it at exorbitant rates, right? Two weeks ago we said, you know, if you, if you got your eight glasses of water by drinking tap water, okay, eight glasses of water a day for a year at average municipal rates is 49 cents for the year. But if you got those eight glasses of water a day from bottled water, it would be $1,400 a year. Now, you'd not be surprised that if you get $29 a month for food stamps, right, which is the average, right, um, you're not going to be spending $1,400 on water, clearly, <laughs> right? Now, again, we're not saying that people would never drink bottled water. There are certainly places we know, you know, Flint, Michigan's drinking bottled water. It will be for some time because their municipal water system's corrupt. Um, but again, that's an issue of, of justice. How do, how do we make clean water, even in our own country, accessible to people? And so, just trying to think about, you know, again, we're not... We're not saying, part of the challenge of being a Christian is, um, again, when I grew up, I think when I was taught to think about ethics and living life, I thought I had two choices, doing things that were bad or doing things that were good, things that were positive, things that were evil. And it took me way too long to figure out in the Christian life, uh, there are things that are evil and there are things that are beautiful, but more times than not, it's a matter of more or less. Which, which, which thing is the better thing to do? It still might have problems, but it's a better thing to do. It doesn't mean the thing that you leave behind is just evil, it just means it's not as good a choice. 
right? And that, that's hard for, for me, you know, that sort of wants to sort of divide the world into everything's, you know, these choices are absolutely good, these choices are absolutely evil. We're not saying bottled water's evil. We're just saying in our day and age, you know, it's probably not a good idea that the United States, you know, we go through 50 billion plastic bottles a year, only 23% of which are recycled. It, it, and the irony, of course, is it takes a huge amount of water to make the plastic in which your bottle, your water goes, right? And it's petroleum, which is a, you know, not a enduring resource, right? Uh, it's not renewable. <laughs> it's petroleum-based, and so there's all of that. So, um, so, so that's an issue. But the other thing I want to raise also here that's just as important, um, and that is that there is a kind of personal dimension to a certain kind of way of going through the world. Um, one of the one of the reasons that I love going to Kenya with some frequency is because um, I, get to, I get just for a few weeks to, in a very, very, very tiny way, um, see the world a little bit through somebody else's eyes. And part of that, the uncomfortable part, um, the way I get to see it through somebody else's eyes is trying to answer questions from my Kenyan Christian friends about how we live here. And it's, it's really hard, right, to explain. And so what happens is when I come back from Kenya, I find myself um, torn a lot. Um, because I'll be doing things, and, and, and their voices are still in my head. And I imagine them with me, and I'm thinking, how, how would I explain this to my Kenyan friend? Right, what, what sense would they make of that? And I'm going to bring up a really uncomfortable example. Um, I'm not going to apologize for it. <laughs> Other than just saying it's uncomfortable. And again, I don't know how to fix this. But the point is that we don't even really notice. Most of us, most of the time. We had a beautiful lunch. Brunch last week. Y'all are good cooks. Um, and, um, and, and, I, and I found myself uncomfortable when I thought about how much trash we generated last Sunday. All our plates, right? all our cups, all plastic, all thrown away, all used once. And I thought about my Kenyan friend sitting next to me. He was like, well, why did you all do that? How is it possible that you could use a plastic plate? We would use that for five years until it broke and cracked and we couldn't use it again. And you all just gathered once and you used plastic plates and you just threw them away. Where do they go? Just like somebody else picked through them and used them? It's like, no, they just go to a landfill down here and they just we just put them there. And we don't even think about it. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm not. I mean, I threw mine away too. But as I'm throwing it away, I did think last week, what are we doing? 
And it's not that we're evil people. The point is we've never made the connection, most of us, right? No one's ever encouraged us to, to say, you know, what are we doing? What are we doing? And the point is we've been doing it for so long. I've been doing it for so long. I don't ever see it anymore. Right? Um, here's the other example that comes from last week's. Trying to figure out, like, like, what's our... I mean, God's not expecting us to go through the world and not use any natural resources. Okay, we have natural resources, and we can use them. But it has to be sustainable, right? Now we're back to sustainability. Um, because we want other... Because this inheritance hasn't just been given to me and to you, but this world of inheritance... Right? It honors God and it is for future generations too. So what's, what's due me? Right? What's, what's my fair portion? And again, no one's ever encouraged me to think about that. I don't know where you were in the line last week if you were here. <laughs> right? But like any potluck dinner, if you're towards the end, you're thinking, gosh, I hope the people at the front leave something for me. <laughs> Particularly the good stuff. Right? Um, yeah. Time I got through some of those really good pies that were just like long gone. There was just like a little crumb there. I thought, I bet you that was good. <laughs> That's okay. There wasn't enough for it. But I, 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 was, I had more than enough. Right? But sometimes I think it's helpful for me to think about like, every day, you and I are at a giant potluck dinner in the choices that we make. <clears throat> and the question is, like, how much should I put on my plate? Particularly if I'm at the front of the line. It's easy to think, well, I don't know, I'm at the front of the line, I can get whatever I want. <clears throat> but am I mindful at all that there's somebody behind me? And it's not just charity that I'm leaving them food, but it's justice, right? They've been invited to this meal every bit as much as I have. So what's, I mean, no one's asking me to come out with a plate that has like one little tiny diced potato. But what's my share, right? I mean, what if, what if I'm the first one in line and I come out with, like, plates lined up both arms? <laughs> you know? I'm thinking, gosh, I'm, I'm having a hard time balancing this. I mean, I'm not getting any sympathy. But what happens if I go through the world with sort of plates lined up my arm and I don't even realize it? And other people around the world are looking at me and like, do you know that there are other people in line? Do you know there are other people coming up behind you? And, and what happens, I mean, again, the point isn't, and go back to water, the point isn't simply that if we were to be, think about water more sustainably, and think about water um, more as an issue of justice that, you know, tomorrow morning everyone around the world would have water. It's not that simple. 
But the question is, what does it do to my soul when I don't even think about water at all? Because it's just a commodity and I pay for it. I was encouraged this week to think, and I, and I haven't done, the, done it yet because I, I couldn't find a bill. But before the series is out, I'm going to come back to you and report how many gallons of water my household uses a month. I don't know if you know. Does anybody in here know how many gallons your household uses? Or are you like me, you just get the bill and think, oh, it's 49.73 this month, so I'll pay that. That's what I do. I mean, I know it's on there. If you know how to read the bill. Again, I don't even know how to read the bill. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? It's just a commodity. I'm paying for it. Right? I mean, the average household in the United States, what do you, how many gallons do you think it is a day? Yeah, it's 3,000, you're, you're absolutely right. So it's 300 gallons a day, which is about 9,000 gallons a month. You're right on it, right? That's average, right? If you're like me and you've got daughters who take showers for hours, then probably more, right? Or husbands, yeah. Um, At least we shower. That's good, yeah. Um, but again, hygiene is a good thing. Um, <clears throat> but I started the last three weeks. Again, this is, and I, I wasn't going to share this, but I started. I started. I've, I've talked about shower thoughts a lot in here, so you probably thought, "Gosh, you use a lot of water," thinking all that. <laughs> last three weeks, I've done something that I should have done decades ago. And not because it would make me more righteous, it might, it might, 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 might have a tiny way of making me more mindful about the world. Okay, some of you probably already do this. But I take, you know, I've been trying the last three weeks just to take what's sometimes called a navy shower. Oh. <laughs> right? Just turn the water on, wet myself down, turn the water off, wash my hair, wash myself up, shave, do all that with the alley water on, then rinse myself off. That's it, right? Still, one gallon. One gallon instead of probably 50 or 60 gallons at least. Now, does that gonna change the world? No, but maybe I would walk through the world differently. Because what I've been trying to do for three weeks is think about while I'm taking that shower, who doesn't have water today? Who would love to have a shower at all today? Who would love just to, to drink the one gallon of water that I'm flushing down into the sewer with my shampoo on it? That's drinkable water. And one out of nine people in the world don't even have drinkable water. So is that going to change the world? But no, it might change me. Right? It might change me. So it doesn't make me more righteous, it doesn't make God love me anymore, it doesn't do anything other than maybe, maybe, maybe in one tiny way try to help me think about where are the other places where I'm blind to my impact on the world. Because, I don't know, I had this crazy thought this week 
and I, I'm probably really wrong about it, but actually it, it became more frightening to me. Now, I, I don't know for sure uh, if and when I stand before God to give an account of my life, what that would look like. But I had this really frightening thought, and I don't know why it's more frightening, but I thought, what if when I stand before God, um, God has other people sitting by God, and I have to give an account to them too. Right? Like, and so why, why for most of your life did you take a shower and throw away plastic and just, you know, why did you think that my world, that none of that had anything to do with following the way of Jesus or loving your neighbor? Um, not that I thought that standing before God would be an easy thing, but now God had a face in some ways that it made me uncomfortable. And I, I just could be wrong about all that, and I don't have anything at stake in that. I'm just saying that's what I was thinking this week. And it wasn't even in the shower. Um, Again, and the point here is not, I want to be really clear, the point here is not guilt. I'm not trying to instill guilt. Guilt's a horrible motivator in my experience. Um, so that's not, the, that's not the point. The point is, how do we try to be mindful? How do we live in the world as Christians? If we really believe that following the way of Jesus does have implications about everything, that God is Lord of all of life, and what does that actually mean? It's a, it's a wonderful platitude, but how does that actually cash out? United Methodists have taken the chance to try to say, well, maybe it has some implications about this. You know, another thing they bring up at, at the end of these, I think on page 25, uh, maybe the last one they bring up is, is food justice. Food justice. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> that was the magic word for today, food justice, right? What was the show that when you said the magic word, the thing dropped down? <laughs> Congratulations, we're waiting for you to say food justice. That was the magic word for the day. <laughs> how, how many of you know the term food desert? Three. Four, okay, yeah. A food desert is a place, um, let's just talk about the United States, um, where people cannot in any way remotely convenient have access to healthy food, okay? So we talk about access to water being a fundamental human right. But most people need food. Um, I think actually all people need food. And there are places, there are even, uh, it would be interesting to look at. You can go online, look up food deserts, and you can see maps of the United States where food, food deserts are. Um, and people define it differently. There's no standard definition, but it has to do with you know, whether you can, I mean, one definition is, is being, for people who don't have a car, which is a lot of people, Right? A lot of people don't live in places with public transportation. Um, don't live within a mile of, of, of any healthy food at all. Um, 
So for example, imagine if you were trying to feed your family because the closest grocery store that had any healthy food was say five, six, seven miles away and you either had to take the bus or you had to take a taxi. Think about that. Um, and so what you did was you fed your family by going to the 7-Eleven, right? Now think about what's available there, okay? And, and, and this, this is part of the health crisis that we don't talk about in the United States with increased uh, type 2 diabetes and other kinds of things. It's partly food choices, and for a lot of people, their choices are a lot limited, a lot more limited than my choices and your choice, because I can get to a grocery that has good food, um, healthy food. And this goes all the way down I mean, to justice issues, right? Does, how, do we, how do we assure that people have access to good food? Not just giving it away. I mean, that's okay. That's a stopgap measure. Um, I mean, I drove by a church this morning that said free vegetables, Saturday, 10 to 11. That's a good thing, right? Because actually that church is in an area that's used to have a grocery store, but doesn't now. <laughs> Right. Uh, those that most of the grocery stores that get shut are in poor areas. Right. It's not because they can't. They're not sustainable economically for the company, and they close them. And you can understand that from the economic side. But the downside is that people don't have access to healthy food. And this goes all the way down to farm farm policy. Farm. That's not foreign. Farm policy. Right. Um, what do, we, what do we as a nation, with our tax dollars, what do we subsidize, right? Um, so for example, we subsidize corn heavily, uh, and maybe we should. But one of the things that means is that, uh, as you know, the number one sweetener is corn syrup, right? High fructose corn syrup, which is in way more stuff than you would like to know. But just if you're a label reader, you know. Um, but that explains why, um, in some cases, uh, a two-liter bottle of Coke is actually cheaper than a two-liter bottle of water <laughs> when it's on sale. And so, and why a lot of junk food is cheaper than a head of broccoli, because we don't subsidize broccoli, but we do subsidize corn, which goes into sweetener and most of the junk food that we eat. So that has an effect if you're on a limited income and you have limited choices. And so you're, you're buying food that's just junk and you're putting it into your body and your children's body. It's no, no surprise that there's obesity and type 2 diabetes. Now that might be an issue of justice. Oh, it's very complex, it's very complicated. But the United Methodist Church is saying we ought to care about that because we're called to love our neighbors. And some of our neighbors don't have access to good food. And it's not a matter of charity, it's justice. Okay? We're not just doing our, our neighbors uh, a good deed. Although again, in stopgap measure, there might need to be a role for charity, of course. But long-term sustainability, how do we live as a society where all people have access 
to good food, healthy food. It's easy for me. I both have the resources financially and otherwise to secure healthy food for myself and my family. And it's really easy most days to think that's all that matters. But what if, I mean, again, what if, uh, what if my neighbors have also been given an inheritance of this bountiful creation that God has given us that includes food that we need to sustain our lives? Right? What right do they have to that, and how do we respond to that? And so it's, it's hard, you know, when you, when you hear that the... You know, before Congress, a new farm bill is being brought, and your eyes just kind of glaze over, like, who could possibly care about that? Well, maybe we should. <laughs> maybe we should care what's in our farm bill, because maybe it affects our neighbors more than we know, even if you don't even know the impact on yourself. Maybe it impacts our neighbors a great deal, and we should be mindful of that. So just to go back, almost... In every section of the Book of Resolutions, one of the first things that the Book of Resolutions says is that United Methodists will be committed to educating ourselves about these matters. And so that's a tiny bit of what we're trying to do today. We can't educate you on U.S. farm bills, uh, but maybe you're at least interested to know, like, well, what do, what do my tax dollars go to subsidizing when it comes to farming in the United States, and why that? Right? Why, why are we subsidizing that? Um, not saying it's all wrong, but do we even know? Most of us don't. And, and most of us have never even thought about why that might be connected to our Christian faith. And yet the Wesleyan heritage is suggesting that maybe these are connected. Right? Maybe these are connected, that we have a responsibility to at least be informed and try to think about what does this mean for the way that we live our lives? It's not, not simple, it's not straightforward. There's not an easy connection between this and this. Um, but maybe we're called to think through these matters and, and work. And we can be glad that there are people in the United Methodist Church, Connectional Church, who are trying to work on these matters for us. And we can be grateful for that. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we live in an astonishing world that you have created. And we are humbled that we, most of us, live relatively comfortable, privileged lives. And too often I worry that myself and others of us are content to merely thank you for those blessings and not realize that those blessings are an inheritance that also our neighbors have a claim on as well. And so when it comes to food and water, we pray that um, we would understand that this inheritance is a matter of justice um, and that we would work for justice for our neighbors um, because they too are created in the same image of God as we are, loved by you no less than we are. And so may we be a people who stumble along, getting it wrong, no doubt, but who seek justice for our neighbor, who seek their well-being, um, and also are mindful about the way we ourselves walk through the world. May we as people, we as a congregation, bear witness to who you are and your desire that all of your creation flourish. We pray this.
through Christ. Amen. Thanks, Phil. Uh, for those of you who will use this microphone, please notice right in front of your mouth and speak 